Welcome to Community Christian Church. My name is Ed. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so honored that you came to be with us. If you're here and you wouldn't consider yourself a church person or a religious person, let me say how honored we are that you gave your time to come be with us at Ashley Park today. And uh, here's what I know about you. Uh, if you came and you're not religious, you wouldn't say you're a church person or you used to be, and now you're just here today. Uh, if you and I sat down and talked and you explained to me why you don't, you're not religious or you don't do the church thing, I bet I would find that you're, you're reasonable, that your reasons are, are reasonable and that I would understand them. doesn't mean I would necessarily agree with them, but I think that I would find you to be a reasonable person because that's been my experience, that most people are reasonable. And what I'm hoping to, to do today is you, as a reasonable person, I want to try to give you a reason to reconsider following Jesus, not, not to be religious, uh, but to follow Jesus with your life. And I know that you don't think there's a big difference between being religious and following Jesus, but he sure did. See, Jesus came into to the world to offer the world something completely different in how to relate to God. And he came to offer something that the world had never seen. And what really can't be refuted, because Christianity is based on a, a person and an event, not on a series of teaching, that what can't be refuted is that this, and that you really ought to consider because in your reasonable way of thinking about it, is that there was a group of people who, they went out, not because they believed something, they didn't go out and say, hey, we believe something, they went out and because of what Jesus had said to do, they did what he said to do. And this group of people, I mean, they didn't just believe it, they, they did what he said to do. They had no political power, and they weren't trying to get any. They didn't have an army. They didn't have a government behind them. They had no influence. It was just a handful of them. And they went out to every culture and people all around the world, and they said, hey, the way that you relate to God as you know it, it's done. I mean, the human sacrifice, the animal sacrifice, was a part of every religion at that time, from Jewish religion to Greek religion to Roman religion to Egyptian religion, all their known world, all their known religions, they went and said, all of that's been done away with because of this man, Jesus Christ. And there was a sense, and we miss this because it happened so long ago, and we, we read it, it happens, or we hear somebody talk about it because it was those people 2,000 years ago, we act as if they weren't real people with things that they cared about and loved, real lives and real work that they had to do. But these real people said, uh, hey, everything that you've known at your mom and dad taught you about how to relate to God, that's all wrong. And that you wonder why everybody didn't look at them and say, hey, who, who died and left you in charge? To which, of course, we know they had an answer. And this real group of people, and this is something you can verify. And honestly, as a, as a person who thinks about things, you, you ought to think about this, that this little group of people with no political power and no agenda to get political power and no authority and no government behind them that 350 years after Jesus had been crucified in A.D. 380, Emperor Theodosius declared that every other religion in the empire was illegal and that the religion of the Roman Empire, the empire that had put Jesus to death, was now the worship of Jesus Christ. You don't have to believe what Jesus taught. You don't have to do what he said to do, but you at least ought to consider that the people who did believe it and did follow him, 
did something that you can verify and that most historians, they point to what made the modern world. They talk to this little group of people that over those 350 years, they set things in motion that whether you believe it or not, you bear the benefits of today, whether you believe in the person they believed in or not. And what you ought to be asking yourself is, with no agenda to back up what you already believe, is how did that happen? How did that take place? How did that event that can't be denied, how did it take place? So in this series, what we're doing is we're, uh, this series, Jesus is Greater Than, we're just tracking the life of Jesus from the moment he steps on the stage as an adult until the moment that he's crucified by the Roman Empire and then his resurrection uh, from the dead launches this movement that changes our world. And we're just tracking his life throughout uh, up until the time we celebrate uh, his resurrection on Easter together. And what I can tell you for sure is that, that the first followers of Jesus who we've been tracking with, the things that I just described to you that would eventually come out of their lives, it was unimaginable to them. I mean, John the Baptist, who we talked about in the first week of this series, who when he's standing knee-deep in water and he's baptizing people and he sees Jesus approaching and he points everybody and says, look, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin world it was unimaginable to john that in just a few years the roman empire who had john under his thumb that the pagan temples that the romans had built for their god that those pagan temples would empty and they would be turned into houses of worship of jesus that the roman empire would declare every other worship other than the worship of the lamb of god he pointed out he could not imagine that it happened all because there was a group of people who would not shut up about what they had seen and heard and would not shut up about this man who had came to offer something totally be different. They got shoved down by the temple of people, uh, the people who ruled the temple of, of the Jews, and they got shoved down by the empire. No empire nor no temple could get in their way, and they changed the world. But it was unimaginable to them that it would happen. But you haven't been here with us for the whole series let me catch you up to where we are to this point in Jesus's greater than because everything I just told you that's in the future but where we are is this whole movement starts with Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be baptized and now we're at the point where he's met a few people and he has a few followers which he didn't have before J Jason showed us last week he now has Peter Andrew James and John and they've been that they can go with him to make this movement happen. And then we're told in the text that news about him, about Jesus, spread through the whole countryside. His teaching in their synagogues, he's teaching in their synagogues, and everybody praised him. But they're praising him for his teaching. They're praising him that he says things in a way that nobody ever says before. They're praising him as something in addition to everything they currently already thought they understand they say about him a prophet a great prophet has appeared among us well who is us well it was israel it was the chosen people but jesus had already said and would say again and again hey i came for a whole way under bigger audience than just israel this is a bigger thing and then one day with a whole group of people following Jesus comes to a mountainside and he sits down and he begins to teach what would be the core of his teaching. And this teaching, it was a fork in the road. 
it was a turning point. Now, we call this teaching the Sermon on the Mount. It's important to say we call it that, but Jesus didn't call it that. And if you want to hear more about this teaching in detail, uh, you go to our podcast, and uh, we taught this for several months last year in the fall of 2018 and spring of 2019 leading up to Easter. You can hear this teaching in detail. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus, most scholars believe, did not just teach this this one time sitting on a mountainside, that what we have here that we call the Sermon on the Mount, it really was the core of Jesus' teaching that he teaches again and again and again. See, something we don't talk about a lot, but that everybody that understands the Bible knows, that the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that they contain uh, the life of Jesus as told by those four guys. But they do not contain everything that happened in the three years that we're talking about. If you take all of those and you line them up, everything that's described in those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you line them up chronologically, basically you've got about six to eight months of activity. Now, they all include some festivals, some Jewish festivals, Passover and other festivals that Jesus attended. So, because we know when those uh, events took place, we have to then back up and say, Oh, this really took place over about three years' times, which means there was a whole lot more going on with Jesus and people during those three years than we know about. In fact, one of the writers about Jesus' life, uh, named John, he says it like this. If we had written down everything that he had done, the world would not be able to contain the books. Now, you get, because you're smart, you understand, he's using a figure of speech, it's hyperbole. And he's saying the whole world could contain it. Now, of course, the world could contain it. He's just saying there was way more than what we've written down. But what we've written down is what we've written down enough so that you can understand who he was and that when you understand it, you can begin to follow him. So most scholars believe that this three-chapter uh, little section that we call the Sermon on the Mount is really the core of Jesus' teaching. And when you read the biographies of Jesus, you can see parts of this that he repeats again and again and again and again. And the reason is, is because what he taught is just revolutionary. Now, when we hear what he has to say, it doesn't sound all that revolutionary to us because we've heard so much, and so much of our culture in the Western world has been based upon this, that even if you don't believe it, there's so much of it that's ingrained in our culture for our good that it just sounds normal to you. But to them, there was tension when Jesus is saying these words. And what I hope to do today in this message is to recreate a little of the tension so that you can feel a little bit what they felt. And the tension begins with Jesus' very first statements, with these statements where he describes to them who it is that's blessed by God. And every one of these statements that we call the Beatitudes, Jesus is just things that are so different to them. He's turning the world upside down in this new world order that he announces. He says things like, blessed are the poor for they're going to receive, and blessed are the meek, they're going to inherit from God. The merciful and the peacemakers, not the powerful, are the ones in God's favor. Now, again, it sounds normal to you, but in their day, and in truth, in some of your minds too, you think that if you have stuff and you get lots of stuff, you call that a blessing, and that people that don't have stuff, we feel like, hey, we weren't as blessed as they were. Well, in their day, the rich were considered the blessed, and the people that had power, 
They knew that God had put them in power. So the most powerful people, the, most, the richest people, they were considered the people that were closest to God. And Jesus says, it is not so. That is not how you tell it. He goes on and he says, it's the pure in heart that will see God. The pure in heart. Well, pure in heart, that's an internal thing that you can't even see. You can't see whether somebody's pure in heart. And in their world, that wasn't even what anybody thought about. They thought about, are you pure on the outside? Are you ceremonially clean? Do you look the right way? And the way that they said in Mississippi when I was growing up, hey, you've got to guard your reputation because reputation is everything. So reputation is just about what's on the outside. It doesn't say anything about what's on the inside because I'm probably like you. I know for me, I have known some people of excellent reputation who are horrible human beings. Jesus is saying, hey, it's a whole different thing. God looks at what's going on in the heart, not what's going on on the outside. And their whole world gets flipped up. And then he says to them, hey, you Jewish people that are here to listen to me, those of you who are deciding you might follow me, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And when they heard that, it felt like a compliment. But then in their mind, when they heard light of the world, the world, we don't have anything to do with the world. We taught from our mom and daddy when we were little that hey we're the chosen people we don't we don't associate with the world we don't talk like the world we don't talk to the world we don't dress like the world we don't listen to their music we don't sing their songs we don't do any of the things that the world does we we pull ourselves away from the world we're not the light of the world and now he's telling them he says you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world jesus just continues and says in the same way let your light let your light shine before others. And of course, they knew that others, others to the chosen people, all others were non-Jewish people. And, he's, and they're thinking, wait, wait. We don't even like the others. The reason we're hoping you're the Messiah is so that you'll come. The Messiah's job is to kick the others out of our country so that we can get our country back. And now you're telling us that we're supposed to live our life before the others so that they can glorify our God in heaven? Hey, we don't care whether they glorify our God in heaven. We want them to fear our God in heaven. We're looking for the good old days when Israel had this strong army and we were the ruler of our world around and we were powerful. We, we want that to come back. And just as they're starting to think, okay, uh, we thought you might be the Messiah, but this is so vastly different. And you're saying everything my mom and daddy told me is not the way that it really is. Uh, you're probably it just when they're thinking that jesus like a good speaker says jesus says but wait 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 before you leave do not assume that i have come to abolish the law and prophets and the law and prophets are just their shorthand way of saying uh, the old testament what we would call the old testament or the old covenant of god now they didn't call it the old covenant it was just the covenant the law and the prophets represented the covenant and jesus says hey i know you're you're about to leave before you leave no i didn't come to do away with to abolish the old law and covenant instead he says i came to fulfill it i came to be the solution to i came to live in it and to be the solve for the old testament so get the tension they're hearing jesus say hey, everything you thought is wrong everything that you've been told about how god that's not the way it is but don't that I've come to do away with this thing. He said, I did not come to abolish it. I am the total fulfillment of it so that when, it is, when I am done, it will be done. This is not an add-on. This is 
something new. I, I had a teacher back in the days before I was a Christian. I was studying to be an engineer, and I love math, and uh, he was teaching us uh, some advanced math stuff, and he, he had this way of when he would teach, he would uh, he'd do a problem, and when he finally could get all of us on the same page and that he thought we knew how to do it, he'd begin erasing the problem. He'd say, moving on. Well, it's like Jesus is saying, hey, don't think that I've come to abolish the old covenant. I came to fulfill it, so moving on. And at this point, I'm telling you, at this point, I think the tension is so, is so high in this room. That, uh, it's one of those moments where you've been in some rooms where somebody's talking and everybody's trying to listen and they're leaning in, but they're not really getting it, and you can hear a pin drop and nobody moves hardly in the room. Jesus says, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest level letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law. And everybody went, whew, man, it sounded like you were about to blow the whole thing up. And what my mom and dad told me to count on was the whole old covenant. And just when they were beginning to think of that, Jesus smiled and said, until, and they're like, until. What do you mean, until? I heard somebody say a few years ago, and I think they're probably right, that that little preposition in this sentence, until, it's been the most overlooked preposition in the whole Bible, and it's caused us a world of trouble. And because it's been overlooked, because people have sort of ignored it, and I'm not pointing any fingers. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and I have done this too. But because we've overlooked this little preposition, the implications of what comes after it, we didn't really pay that all that much attention to. And because of that, uh, churches that most of us have known have been so racked with legalism and there's so much gracelessness and there's been so much loss of faith and the church has taken a hit in our Western world because of the way we've dealt with what Jesus has to say. In fact, what I want to say is that some of you are here and you walked away from your faith because every Christian you knew seemed like all they were telling you was it just it was law after law after law of you can't do and you must do and you have to do and you can't do and you just go, hey, I, I don't want any part of that one of the reasons that some of you walked away because this one thing wasn't really dead. Jesus says, none of it's going to disappear until, until everything is accomplished, until it's all finished. And then the implication of until is, and then it will disappear. It will be done. And then I believe this was the point where Jesus would start having some of those conversations that I occasionally have with some of you after you hear something I say and you, you come up to me the next time we see each other and you're like, so, uh, Jesus. And they'd say to me, like what some of you say to me, hey, man, I love the way you teach. I, you just, you're so clear. I understand everything you're saying, but uh, there's this one thing. Um, the other day when you were talking, I thought, sounded like you were saying that everything that I had been taught about the old thing, that that somehow wasn't right, and you're going to do it away, and that you were bigger than the law, and you're more important than the temple, and that all of that was going to go away. But that's like impossible, right? At which point, I think Jesus had them looking right exactly where he was. And so then he said, it's all going to be finished. And when it's finished, all of it. All of it, as hard as it is for you to imagine, it's all going to disappear. And they couldn't believe it. Until August 6th 
A.D. 70, when the Roman 10th Legion marched into Jerusalem, and they completely destroyed the Jewish temple, and they completely destroyed the Jewish religion. And Judaism, as it was known then, was done, and it is not now and has never again been practiced. What Jesus said would happen, it happened. When he was finished, it was finished. Now, here's the point to all of them. Jesus makes this point, and then Paul, one of the followers of Jesus, who is the first to bring it to people like me and you, what I mean by people who weren't Jews first and then became followers of Jesus, Paul makes the same point that Jesus does when he comes to people and says, look, this is not just for a chosen people. This is for the whole world, and it's for you, and it's a whole new way about how to relate to God. He comes to say, Jesus didn't come to be an add-on anything he's not in addition to anything he is a whole new way and jesus was born at just the right time born under the law to fulfill the law jesus who was born as a person in israel a jewish person born under the old covenant who lived under the old covenant to totally fulfill the old covenant and when he fulfilled it he ended it and here's the good news he came to replace it something totally different and better where there had been this covenant between god and a, a nation it now became between god and all mankind between men and women it became between god and every human being became possible and it was so different that even after the resurrection the first followers of jesus who were all jewish they so struggled with detaching themselves from what it was old even though they had heard him say it and they'd seen him resurrected they had such a hard time that detaching from it that 25 years later they were still hanging on to parts of it but i don't know why that should surprise us because here we are in the 21st century and some of us still have a hard time the church around the world has a hard time still hanging on to parts of the legalism of the old and even though he made it clear even though he died to finish it i mean right after we finish this i don't know how much clearer jesus could be six times he takes something out of the old covenant right from the mouth of moses the great prophet the great lawbringer and he said you've heard it said and every time he had heard it say, he would say that he'd then quote moses he said you heard moses say but i say you heard moses say but i say to you and they're thinking hey man you can't just automatically put yourself on the same level as moses who do you think you are you can't replace moses and so Here's the end of this teaching that I think he taught again and again and again over three years. He gets to the climax where he's just been building this tension so much, and he then gives us a verse that we've been quoting now for 2,000 years. He looks at the audience in the tension as he hears the message, and I think he just looks at him and he smiles and says, so we've covered a lot of ground here today, and uh, I know it's been hard for some of you to hear it, so I just want to sum up so you can hang on to my main point. So, in everything, do for others what you would have them do for you. This sums up all the law and prophets. Now, if you'll hang on with us in the next few weeks of the series, we're building two that you'll find out that in that statement, Jesus was really just doing a teaser for what he's going to say in a few weeks. And it really becomes the command that he came to build 
that would replace all the laws that were so complicated and all the things that became legalism to, prop, to come to something that we all understand and it's so easy. It's complicated. It is not easier to carry out. He just keeps putting himself on the same level of the law. And Jesus says, when Jesus finished, when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught as one with real authority, not like their teachers of the law. And so over the next few weeks, what we're going to see is that Jesus and the teachers of the law, they begin to bang heads at each other over this thing. of he's saying, what you're talking about is being done away with, and you were doing what God said to do, but that this Old Testament thing, it's going to be done. In fact, he says to them something one time that just raised the tension, and they bring it up at his trial. He says to them, he says to them, something greater than the temple is here. They had to think Jesus was absolutely crazy. I mean, Jesus, come on. The temple took years to build, and the temple is where God resides. And the temple, we have such specifications of how to do it. God's there, and it represents his covenant, and the law is kept there. The temple is everything. Why, if something greater than the temple were here, we wouldn't need the temple anymore. At which point Jesus, I think, would smile at him and go, hang with me, we're getting there. So let's get to me and you. Is what I just talked about, is it important to you? I mean, if you're here, you're listening to me, and you're in middle school or you're high school, is what I described to you that sounds so much like history, is that, is that important to you? If, if you're here and you're just, you're just starting out your family, you're just starting out your career, and you're trying to figure that out, is, is this important to you? If you've built everything and things are going, great in your life and you think you get it all is what i talked about important if you're like me and you're old and you can feel it beginning to wind down is is what i described the point uh, important to you you see you know once upon a time i mean here's here's why this is so important once upon a time in our country there was a day really in major parts of our world where the bible was so respected it wasn't really read i mean People in my culture in the South, we respect it like it's set on the table and people go, oh, don't put anything on the Bible. What's in there? Well, we keep our dates of birth and stuff in there. They didn't know what was in it. But sure did respect it. There was a time when it was so respected. But those days, for all kinds of reasons that lay squarely at the feet of this once upon a time generation that I'm a part of, those days where it was that respect, they are gone. People in our day with the advent of YouTube and all the things that people can hear and they can get information on, there's so much question around things that the days that you go into your kids and you say, and mom and dad, they ask you a question about it, and mom and dad come back to you and they say, well, the Bible says, the Bible says, well, there was a time when saying to somebody, the Bible says it was probably enough. But what Jesus said, what Jesus brings up in this point, it's for these days, and those days when the Bible says was good enough, those days are gone. Jesus said, and what he says he is built upon is not about the Bible says. And if you're a Christian, and you go to church, and I mean, everybody in your world is Christian, and it's just church, church, church all around you, and it's church music, and everybody you know is church, then maybe this doesn't matter all that much to you. But if you have somebody in your life, like a kid, or you have a kid in high school, or you have a kid in college, or you have some kid... You brought up the right way, and now they don't 
even believe anymore. If you have somebody in your world that at work that they're a good person, but they aren't a God person, and you can't figure out how to get them interested. If you're a person that you grew up with faith, and you, you wander off, and now you come back occasionally because there's just something inside of you that draws you to it, but you have so many questions about the Bible and what you hear that you can't answer, this is so vitally important. See, a lot of us have been taught and we have heard and we've taught and we've been heard that the Bible is our guide for life. And I know some of you are going to misunderstand me, and that's okay. I'm willing to have the conversation with you. But just be clear, Jesus did not say the Bible was our guide for life. Instead, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. He'd say to people, Hey, you follow me. You want to know that you, you show the love of God? Then you do what I say. Love for God is shown in obeying my teachings. I, I hear people say, uh, following God is hard. And I mean, following Jesus, it, it just seems impossible. I'm not sure I can do it. And I, I get what you're saying. And I've been right there. But when I read the of Jesus' life, and I look at the people that were standing right in front of him, and they were real people. Don't think they weren't real people. And when Jesus said to them, hey, you got to follow me. you got to leave everything behind, and you, you got to follow me. For the vast majority of them who received that personal call from Jesus, they didn't say, oh, it's, it's too hard. What they, what they said was, <laughs> the way they behaved was like, they, this is my chance. This is my opportunity. Something about him that's different. My life would be different if I just followed him. And so they did. And they changed the world. In fact, Jesus promised that if you'd come to me and you would just follow me, not all the things you heard, not all the rules that people put on, if you would come to me and follow me. And in this image, he describes it not like taking steps. He says, if you would put my yoke in, in, in the illustration is of a, a yoke that bound two oxen together, so they're working together. Jesus says, put my, work, my yoke on you, you team up with me, then the two of us will be working on your life, and you'll find that my yoke, it's easy. My burden is light. In every instance, I mean, Jesus taking down the really hard things. You know what's really hard? Hard is acting like you believe something because you know you're supposed to, Side, you don't believe it. That's hard. You know what's hard? Hard is doing what you want, when you want, how you want, doing all the things you want, and you find out that when you get what you want, what you wanted, it wanted you too, and it got a hold of you. You know what's hard? Hard is getting what you want, and then you realize you can't stop wanting it. It gets hold of you, and it controls you. That's hard. You know what else is hard? Hard is doing all the right things the right way and you go to the right school and you do the right thing and you get the right degree and you have the spouse that everybody admires and the job that everybody admires and the house that everybody admires. You have the kids that are doing all the right things and your life is nothing but up and to the right. You have the money that you never dreamed you'd have and everybody say your life is blessed and every day you wake up and you realize it is not enough. There has to be something more. You know what's hard? That's hard. That's hard. Following Jesus, Jesus promised, if you'll just 
You put my yoke upon me. It's, it's easy. Doing life with Jesus, it's grace. And I don't mean grace the way people normally hear it, like you get to go to heaven one day when you die. Grace to me, Jesus, is Jesus just saying to me, Ed, it's like daily he still says to me, hey, Ed, stop trying so hard. I mean, stop trying to figure out how to make your life work. I know how life works, Ed. And no, I don't need your opinion. And no, I don't, I don't need your input on what would work. What I need you to do, Ed, is pay attention. Just pay attention to me. Follow me. Just do what I ask you to do. And when you do, you'll find that what I ask you to do is easy and the burden is light. My yoke, take it on you. How light? Well, at the end of Jesus' life, after his resurrection, his time on earth, he's standing with his followers and says to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, when you just stepped out of a grave where you were dead and you're alive, those words carry a whole new meaning. Now, because of what God has done, this miracle, all authority has been given to me, not to the law, not to Moses, not to the temple. All authority has been given to me. I am the embodiment of God's authority on earth. Therefore, and whatever he says after that, it carries a whole new weight. Therefore, I want you to go into all the worlds, all the worlds where you wanted them kicked out of your land. I want you, instead of them getting out of your land, I want you to go to their land, and I want you to t share with them what God has done in the world through me and ask them to follow me and tell them how it will change their life and teach them everything I have commanded you. Well, what did he command? Well, we know he said, a new command I give you. Love one another, just as I have commanded you. I have loved you, so you must love one another. Here's why what we talked about today matters. Jesus is bigger than the covenant. Jesus is bigger than the law. And Jesus is bigger than what you've thought about God and how to relate to God. Jesus is bigger than all of that. And if you've lost faith over something that you heard about the Bible or the old covenant, you walked away from faith unnecessarily because the Christianity does not stand on the context of your understanding of the Bible. Christianity stands on its own two nail-scarred, resurrected feet who ask you, would you just follow me? And that's what we're going to see in this series. And I hope you'll come back. But for today, I want to give you a moment to reflect on that. So would you bow with me and pray? And if you're at a place that you sense that God is calling you to take the next step and you don't even have to know everything as you should believe, you just want to start following, here's what I ask you to do. Well, everybody's bowed. If you'd grab your phone and go to ashleyparkchurch.com and you'd click on the card that says make a decision. You can tell us where you are in that. We'd help you. If you've got questions, we'll help you with that. If you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus, we're ready to help you with that. If you want to be baptized, we're ready to help you with that. If you want to make it more personal, then you talk to John after the service, the campus pastor. You talk to anybody in a green shirt, they'd be happy to help you with this as well. Now, Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your love and for the clarity that Jesus brings and who he is, the way that he's brought for us to be with you and to know you and to relate to you. I pray for people today that heard this and they need to make a decision to begin to follow you. Help them to see that you're with them. And help them decide to do it and to go public. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Hey, thank you all for coming. We'll see you next week for Jesus is greater than.